All right, welcome back to another episode of the Strategy Inside Everything. We are taking a hard left turn. Uh, today I have a, a guest that I've known for, Jesus, Frank, 20, what year? did? It's 21 a, it's, years? It's, 22 uh, years? It's 24 years, but who's counting, right? Sheesh, we go back, all the way back to Boston University. You're my second uh, alum, uh, Terrier. Or, or you, how long were you there? Uh, two years, yeah. I took so, the abbreviated route. <laughs> me, it took me seven years to get my uh, undergrad degree, so no worries there, but got it done. Um, that is a joke, mom. I finished in four. But uh, Frank Spizer is here today, and he is the founder of Social Flow. Is that your official title, Frank? Correct. Co-founder. Co-founder of Social yeah. Flow. And when I knew that you started it, Social Flow was one thing, but it's it's transmogrified into something much different. Um, before we get into it, can you give people a, a little bit of background on you know, where you started your career and what, what got you started at Social Flow? Sure. Well, I mean, I can go all the way back to uh, when when we first met you. Uh, I was um, on the football team at Boston University. I uh, I got I got up there and I I got sick, so I had to like, get a medical deferment. Uh, and I spent a lot of time um, in the uh, the computer lab meeting you know some some people that we both know and got really into website development. Realized didn't really like the football team that much. Uh, really liked web development. And so that kind of just caught on. I was just right place, right time. It was a period of change where a lot of big things were happening and you could kind of tell you were in the moment when, when they were. Like I, I remember looking at a picture uh, of something and somebody clicked on the picture and then it would go to an explanation with text about the picture. And, it, and it, I know that's I know to people right now it sounds ridiculously simple, but when you saw that, you were like, it just I knew right there that things had changed, and and the right. world was going to be very different when, you know, I could click on a word and see pictures, or click on a picture and see words. Like the way information was communicated, like to me, I was absolutely certain from that very moment. Like I didn't know that it would become like this, where you'd be able to touch a piece of glass in your pocket and some guy come pick you up in his car. Like I didn't see that coming, <laughs> but if only, but, 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 uh, but I, I did notice that things are going to be a little bit different than they had been. We weren't going to be going through card catalogs and the encyclopedia. So, you know, you fast forward, I, I dropped out of school. You, you may have taken a little while to finish. I've, I dropped out of five colleges so far and counting, um, kind of too stubborn to, to, to just give it up. But, but in, in the course of my travels, um, I've been fortunate enough to work on some pretty interesting projects that have scale. And, uh, you know, when everybody else was taking options during the dot-com era, uh, I was working on contracts and building a, con a consulting business. So I got to work on like real business problems and, and I got to sort of, you know, build my skill set through a bunch of different things that almost like nobody wanted to do because it wasn't glamorous, but it was real work, deep in systems, like things that required you to like, you know, go into areas that like either the skill set of people were lacking or people couldn't bridge them across. So I got to build up uh, my abilities to go kind of cross stack, full stack, you know, in what I was doing. And, and so where that sort of led was um, eventually when you're building a consulting company, uh, you're, if you, you get big and successful enough, uh, 
at the director level or managing director level, what your job becomes is like you fly around the country getting yelled at by people who are politically motivated to yell at you. Uh, <laughs> I am so, very familiar with this experience. Yeah, well. I mean, that's the job. So you basically have like eight or nine concurrent projects of people that are really powerful and mad. And <laughs> like, so after, after a while, it, it didn't appeal to me. So I was like, all right, if I'm going to get yelled at, I want to at least build something uh, that I can point, point at and be like, look, we did this and the mistakes are mine. Cause you know, if you, and I'm not disparaging, I'm sure you have much smarter clients than, than we did and, and they treat you much better. Uh, but a lot of times like you'll put together this project, you put your best people on it. You'll work late into the night, you'll hand it over to the client and then three weeks later, somebody blows it up like Wiley Coyote and is like, it's your fault. So like you have to come back and be like, all right, let's stitch it back together. Let's get it working. <laughs> you know, like that, that, that got a little demoralizing after a while. I mean, the money was great, but it was just one of those things where like, you don't, you didn't own it. Right. So, right. so I took a job as CTO of Tackle. Um, I was like the third person there. Tackle had, or uh, sorry, it was heavy. Uh, I, I went to heavy, which was a fairly large video site. Uh, and then it started to decline a little bit and we basically revived it, brought it back. It's still alive today. Um, but at the time it was about the third, the size of YouTube. Yeah. It's so, not, it's not what it was in its glory days, but it is still operating. Right. Right. We, we, we were there when it, when it was, you know, going through the roof and, and uh, we put together a really brilliant team and I still keep in touch with a lot of people from there because it was a nexus of like artists and graffiti, you know, people and hip hop folks and basically like people who shouldn't probably be uh, in a startup all allowed to basically operate freely. But it well, was that's uh, why Heavy had a point of view. I mean, Heavy had a particular kind of content that was there, which which positioned it well against YouTube, which was a catch all for every kind of video. Yeah, it it was too, and it was they, they we could do stuff, and they would be like, "Yeah, that sounds great, go for it." You're like, "Really?" And uh, they, you know, they're like, <laughs> "They're like, yeah, 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 we could we could do it." So it, it was you know, and the tech team sat right next to the design team, so it was this free and open exchange of ideas. And I was the CTO of that company. I was I was the highest ranking like officer, whatever, on that floor. Um, the the CFO and the co-CEOs were on a separate floor. Uh, so it was just like a madhouse uh, on that floor. It was, it, it, was, it was a fun time. I don't necessarily know if I'd structure a company like that myself, um, especially where one of the CEOs was a, a nighttime guy and the other CEO was an early morning, like get up and jog at 5.30 kind of guy. Uh, made for a little bit of difficulties in matching up what people wanted to have done but also a nice 24-hour work cycle where yeah night night boss would come in and say a and then day boss comes in and says b yeah that's that's exactly what happened too and it was just one of those things where i was like okay well, you know we we built heavy i felt like we took it as far as we could go it was like i said it, when i left it was about the a third the size of youtube when i left and and one of akamai's like largest customers so um I took a job as CTO of Tackle, which was uh, almost like a high school sports social network. It was like a profile. It was just as Facebook was sort of coming along. And 
back when MySpace was big, and you wouldn't want your college coaches to see your MySpace profile because you know, like you you can't be trying to go to college for to represent a major SEC school and then have a bunch of keg stands and uh, you know you and your friends you know passed out in a field somewhere. Uh, you didn't want your coaches seeing that, right? So what they would do is they would put together their athletic resume and you'd be able to meet other athletes and talk about how to get through school and it would feed them through, uh, you know, how to get your grades up and how to get through the SATs. And it was, it was a really good product uh, ahead of its time. It was, uh, this is what, this is what kind of exposed you to social and figuring out the opportunity there. Yes. And, and then there was a lot of learning from that. Like the, the, the heavy thing was mainly like how to deal with scaling and video and, and stuff like that. But uh, what we learned at Tackle, which is, I think, maybe a good segue into the way we should look at media and the way Facebook is working and, and some of the things that aren't going to work right now that are, are just sort of coming to light, which is when you... We, we did this uh, cohort analysis where uh, we had eight sections of our site, eight major features, right? And we looked at any given month how many users used each of those things. So how many people used one thing? How many people used two things, right? So uh, obviously everybody that logged in used at least one thing. It was a significant drop off of how many people used two features of the site. Right. By the time you got to like four or five, it was almost nobody. And the only people who used all eight people were me and the other guy who did the study. (laughs) (laughs) So it it was not even like the CEO of the company used all eight things like in any given He was like, I thought we only had six. (laughs) It was was just one of those things where – but it makes sense. The lesson there is like if you fragment your audience too early – you lose critical mass and you don't give it a chance to succeed. And if you look at like a lot of the major products that worked, like Facebook was a wall at first. Google was just a box that you type stuff into. Right. Uh, one y- feature. Yahoo, Yahoo, right? Like, yeah, was, was just one feature. Even like go way back to like Nintendo, right? There wasn't that many different games in the beginning. It shipped with the same game, which I think was a brilliant move. Super Mario Brothers came with the, you know, Super Nintendo, right? Uh, and everybody had the same game to talk about. So it was like you built critical mass around a culture, uh, and that became your culture. And then you sort of sort of built in from there. Now, Google's proven that it's not exactly great at building user experiences. Um, uh, Facebook, um, you know, they, they've done a few really good things in a you know, they've missed in some occasions, but uh, to their credit, they're not afraid to roll things back and, and, you know, take them out behind the woodshed and shoot them. Like they're, yeah. they're willing to do that. Can I say that on the podcast? Is that okay? Yes. We all talk right. about woodsheds all the time. All right. All right. I just want to make sure I was in the right <laughs> company. Uh, but so, but, but the lesson being like, if you, if you break your audience down into tiny pieces, you might think you're giving people what they want, but the mistake would be you're giving the loudest constituents what they want, but that's not who uses your your products or looks at your media or is, interacts with your ads the most. 
the people you're who, talking about optimizing for light users instead of optimizing for your heaviest users. Right. Like if, if you just if you just optimize things for the loudest people, you get the most extreme things that have the tiniest constituents. Right. So um, and everybody does that. Like people look at the way political reporting is done now, right? Like everything is this crazy sensationalist thing that makes it seem like everybody either belongs to Antifa or is building a wall on the Texas border right now. Like that's right. kind of like what 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 you'd think if you if you were an alien that landed in the middle of the country and you like picked up the news, like the news would be like, oh, what's this thing? It's the way people distribute their thoughts throughout like you know, this, this civilization. And you'd be like, wow, these people really hate each other, but it, it doesn't, it's not really the case. Like you can get up and walk to the store and have reasonable conversations with people who don't think, you know, <laughs> who don't think exactly what you think and they don't try to kill you. Like it's, right. it's, it's actually, it's not really that bad, but conflict sells and profit margins are so thin right now in the media and advertising space that, we've become addicted to conflict and friction, right? So like, yeah, I think- Yeah, no, 100% agree. And, yeah. and that's changing the way we're taking in media, which is changing everything online. It's very, fewer people are clicking things in the middle. They're clicking the most uh, clickbaity crap they, they see. Yeah, and it's not like you can fault people for it because, you know, it's-, I, it's do, it, I do it too. I say they, but I mean we. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it's like in human nature, it's like, would you like to read this article about somebody doing something really normal and what you would do? Or would you like to read about this person doing something absolutely batshit crazy? And you're just right. like, well, <laughs> you're like, hey, well, let me let me look at that. What, what's going on there? Um, well, Breaking yeah. Bad wouldn't be a very interesting show if he doesn't get cancer and start cooking math, right? It would just be about a science teacher. It would suck. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> head of the class if he doesn't get sick. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't use Dexter as an example. Thanks. No. Uh, we'll but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that I, I that's exactly right. Like people like sensationalism for a little bit, but they fatigue of it too. Like perfect example would be um, if all of your news, right? Like if if I if I just kept saying like, Hey, check out this, uh, swimsuit issue picture of, I have no idea who's a swimsuit model nowadays. Uh, I'm a married father who just works all the time. So I, have, I didn't even look at stuff <laughs> like that, <laughs> but like, but like, like say I kept sending you pictures of this swimsuit model. I was like, check this out. Like you'd click on it and probably so would I the first time. Right. Like, but if that was like, all the news you saw eventually, like, even though you're probably, you know, the demographic and the type of person who might really want to look at that thing once, like that type of content might appeal to you. Eventually you're going to be like, well, what's going on, you know, with the stock market and what's, what's going on with jobs and how's the real estate in my area and what are the schools like? And you start to realize you're like, people are a pretty diverse set of, of, of ideas and, and requirements. And yeah, and they're always you, changing. Yes. And they're very fluid and they're contextual and they, they, they move according to groups and sets, but, but people, they don't want just one thing. 
And that's yeah. kind of like we're, we're locked into this model right now where people are getting fatigued of this one thing, like flat dimensional, you know, like way of looking at them. And, and it's, it's, it's definitely making in some ways media and the advertising that goes on top of the media worse. If yeah. And I mean, that's why, um, the buzz feeds of the world are better positioned because they have, they're not rooted in a point of view. They can, they can serve up a hundred different things, a quiz of a tasty video, this thing, that thing. Um, and whatever they can cover more ground of my dynamic changing interests or questions or requirements versus, uh, my local news station. That's, kind of locked into the borders here or things that are relevant to right my area and they're kind of boxed out so from a media standpoint they lose out right and i, I don't know if i mentioned this before we started rolling out but we we service uh at social flow um maybe 200 of the world's top media companies right so i get to see a really good cross-section of who does things right and who who's sort of missing the mark and there's definitely a, a stratification. There's like very, very smart customers who do things the right way. And they do what you just talked about where they'll, they'll sort of like, and it's, they have the resources to invest in the content creation at first. Right. But then what they'll also do is to look at the data and, and instead of going with confirmation bias and just being like, this is what people want and just write, you know, the story that they think people want. They'll actually use the data to go out and find out like, oh, this is, we're getting good feedback here. You know, they, I don't, you, did you read the book Moneyball or see yeah. the movie? So oh, in, I read the book. In the beginning, uh, in the book especially, they talk about these old guys sitting around a locker room talking about what a ball player looks like. Right. The statistics never comes up. They just talk about like, well, he's got the look. You know, he's – and that's kind of how news in some cases is still run like, or, or TV is still run like programming. They're like, this is what we think the audience wants, but right, then they focus group, the anchor people, but they don't think about the actual content or the reporting. They, yes. They, yeah, they focus group. They basically stack the focus group with what they think a focus group should look like, which is, <laughs> the exact opposite of what a focus group should be, right? Like you should be surprised by the people in the focus group at least some of the time, right? Otherwise, you're not doing it right. But, uh, but yeah, like the, you, you gotta listen to the data, but you gotta give the data a chance to be ethical and 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 go about it the right way. Otherwise, you just get this self perpetuating confirmation cycle, which is which is what the folks who are losing market share are doing. The peop- there's pl- there are media companies that are doing great and there are, there are ad agencies that are doing great stuff but what they're doing is they're actually informing their they're using data to inform their stories because the the content and the the ads they're they're all some type of story right it's just maybe with a different context but the ones that work they're they have a narrative right like it's it's not just like out of place juxtaposed the just to jam the brand exposure in there and the the story ha- builds on some sort of like understanding of the audience to give them what they want yeah and do you think um so you have a sample size that you're looking at that's more neutral because of all your clients you can look at that as a global data set yeah 
Yeah, so you know, we we have people from the what would be considered the right all the way to the to the left, uh, and in between. You know, we have financial publications, cooking publications. Uh, people love cooking, by the way. Like the the most popular video that we've ever yeah. shown. Uh, I can't say the customer's name because we have very strict confidentiality requirements. Uh, but um, the the most popular video that we've ever published was seen by 136 million people. Uh, and it was a video about how to make a sweet potato cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was like a Super Bowl sized audience about making a, a pie. Now, uh, all right. You yeah. nailed it. That's where I want to go right now. So um, I, I, right, let's, I don't let's... think I watched that, but the, my question <laughs> is, if you had 136 million people turn in for an, tune in for an episode of NCIS, right. they would sell those ads for 3 million bucks, right? For right. 30 seconds. Right. But I'm betting that the, the customer that served that video was not able to pull in that kind of money in exchange for the eyeballs that they got. And in it fact, is- they probably had to pay to get it in front of some of those customers. Okay, so they didn't have to pay. It was completely organic distribution, okay, okay, which okay. was the amazing piece of it. And we we have, I think now we've crossed, like we have 15 videos that I know have been seen by at least 50 million people, uh, which were completely organic. And the content creator made $0 out of, out of those. Not only did they make $0 in, in revenue, but they also paid to create the content. So they lost money to show it to hundreds of millions of people. Yeah, uh, I mean, plus serving fees. and I mean, it's know, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it, and when you think about it, like that right there, if you, do, you, do you need a better example of how, you know, the media model is broken? I mean, that's, that right there is the content creators who spend the time creating the content make no money in some cases. And in cases when they do make money, they have to degrade the user experience so much with intrusive ads and the volume of ads that it becomes, you know, a less enjoyable experience for the user. So oh, go to Forbes, like, you know, just, just go to any page on Forbes and watch. There's two you, autoplay you videos. I, didn't say Forbes. I just want to put that on, out there. I uh, didn't say. I, sorry. <laughs> we can, we can edit that out. I don't want to upset if it's a customer of yours or not a customer of mine. I'm just saying, I'm a <laughs> All right. I'll I'll edit that out. Thanks, man. (laughs) Well, talk to me more about how it's how it's broken. So I think we understand how it's broken. So if you're a publisher, and most of the listeners to this show, Frank, are people, strategy people that are trying to figure out ways to connect brands and customers through culture. You know, they're trying to figure out what's relevant, what moves them, what gets them excited, and then draw a connection to a brand. So if you're a publisher and you're publishing a video that gets viewed 136 million times and you get no money from it, what's what's happening? Well, I mean, so a really easy way to, to do that would be you would, if you were like... Uh, William Sonoma or Pyrex or somebody like that, like you, you'd, you'd want to see that thing start to win attention and then pay for additional distribution with a little bit of branding. And then when, when any, there was any click throughs on that, you'd want it to land on a page where you, 
got a page takeover and you had some sort of continuity and context around what you were doing, right? Like that, that's one easy way to win is instead of, let me back up a little bit. The, the thing that's broken is strategy people are trying too hard to guess what people want. And instead of using the hard data of what people actually want, they're trying to manufacture their own home runs. When mm. in fact, if you just look at the data, like we, and this, I'm going to plug one of our own products, but the, the best ad buy in the world right now is this thing that we sell called attention stream. And it's be, like I said, we started bef- talking about it before. It took us four years to get people to start to buy this product, right? Because it was just kind of a foreign concept. But was it ahead of its time? Is it, that why? It or was. Is it- it, it, every, everything that Social Flow has done has been ahead of its time. And it's been, we might as well have been 10 years late because it's just as painful <laughs> to. It's, it's probably worse to be early than it is to be late, to be honest with you. Because then at least I don't have to convince people it's a good idea. Um, right. Keep, keep selling it. Yeah. So uh, so basically what attention stream is, is when something starts to uh, to outperform its, its even expected boundary of like how good it's supposed to do on the organic side. Um, and it looks like you're going to get more referral traffic from something. like or, or it's a video that should become sponsorable but isn't right now. Uh, you get a little bit of a warning and then there's an automated process that like takes a, an ad, puts it within the, you know, the terms of service within Facebook or, or Twitter, uh, the under the 20%. And then when you click through, it traffics the ads that go with that type of content when you land on the page, if it's a text or a story or a link post, right? Um, yep. And, you know, that, that whole thing... Uh, you know, may cost you between four and eight dollars uh, to buy that traffic, but then you can sell that traffic at a premium because you know the audience, you know what they're there for, you know the context, and you can sell it like a premium unit. So you know your rate cards, you know, thirty to fifty dollars CPMs in, in a lot of cases, right? So, um, and it's a really instead of you trying to create uh, an ad experience that garners. 15 million users, right? Like people are still talking about that stupid Old Spice commercial with the guy riding the horse, right? Or the the Oreo Dunk in the Dark campaign when the lights went oh, out God. in the Super Bowl, right? Like that was six, seven years ago and people are still talking about that, about brand narrative and stories. Like, it's like instead of trying to build your brand around an occasional grand slam, what you should try to do is you should look at repeatable, consistent access to audiences that are contextually inclined towards what you're doing and then just be good at differentiating the content that you you associate with that so when you sponsor the additional distribution improve the experience and when you land there like use the momentum that's behind it so instead of fishing for 10 million users oh you already have them now what you do is you just got to be a little bit better than their inclination to jump back into the social feed and keep them there for a little bit. That's a better game statistically and mathematically to win in terms of like brand awareness, product placement, conversion. It's, it's easier to win that than it is to create an experience from scratch that gets you the 10 million and then you do something with it. 
right? Like that right. people are just sort of misusing that. And it, it only became after media margins got crushed down so low that, that we, our smarter clients were like, all right, we have to do something. And then they started doing this and realizing like, well, look, our margins on this are like 25, 30%. Like we're, or more in some cases we're we're selling it's like the 80s for us again right like we're you know like it's back like when they own the newsstands and the tv stations and they're they're making the money like it was when they owned the distribution right and you know i'm looking at my timeline here on the podcast i've been just yammering on and on but hopefully no no this is, this is what but, it is but um but uh when people own, when the media companies own the distribution, they got a, the bulk of the revenue, but they forgot at some point, right when they went to websites that they're, they, they forgot, oh, we're not in the media. We're not in, in the content and distribution business anymore. We're in the content business. And then as things started moving towards Facebook and Twitter, they got out of the distribution business altogether. And right. you became a content company or you died. And the door was closed behind them. Yeah, because you're not going to recreate where the audience goes. Uh, it's only happened a few times, you know, like Netflix did it, Facebook did it, right? You know, you know, but it's it's hard. Like, look at Snap. Like, they're not having a particularly amount of you know, success and they all, they got off to a big start. And it's it's just really hard to to garner. Yeah, that pace is is yeah. impossible to keep up, yeah. and especially when, I mean, Snap is a different animal than um, a publishing entity where Snap is relying on a population of like Vine, right? Mm-hmm. We need people to come support this platform, create a ton of shit, keep pumping it out, and we will have your back and make it a happy place for you to be and figure out how to kick you some coins, but. A publishing company, going back to, to BuzzFeed, you know they're they're actually employing people to start generating these videos and articles and listicles and quizzes, um, and so I wonder when you say you know replicate singles instead of swinging for grand slams, is that you're talking about creating a triangle between the the subject matter of the site or the the publisher the interest of the customer and then a point of view of the brand that, that ties those three things together. Right. And I would say Buzzfeed is a decent example, but it's not high quality, right? Like, you know, the listicles, like 10 reasons why your high school class is never going to amount to anything, you know, like, or whatever, um, or 10 reasons why your dog thinks you're an idiot like you know that i I might read one of them uh every month but probably not but no a a better example might be the ringer right now that's doing cross culture music sports sure movies tv like higher quality content but still able to pump it out yeah i mean if you look at like like vice does a great job of stuff like that of course yeah and and you know that uh, or like we talked about, like, you know, there's the spotlight team at, uh, at the Globe, right? Where where they'll have the, a series of content that has an audience and that that they, they, they have it. They're just it's, – it's just 
you have to pay to get that content and you have to pay for quality content. And the, well, the piece that's kind of broken is the, we don't have a system that's set up where the better content gets paid more. It's what people click on more often gets more banner ads, which then funds more content like that. Um, mm. And if we're going to, if we could take a, a detour for a second, actually, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine at a major search engine located in Mountain View, California. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say which one, uh, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but I was talking to a friend of mine and he was like, I love, I love the Brave browser, right? Like the, the basic attention token Brave browser. And he was like, cause it's, it's a great user experience. And I was like, he's very politically active and I've known him for a good part portion of my life. He's, he's a great dude. And I said, look, um, brave might be a decent user experience, but it, it, it blocks ads and it relies on user so, contributions. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so really if you just extrapolate that and say like everybody comes to like it, what you eventually do is you pay the media companies to make sure the things you think are worth reading never show up because they have to pay to, <laughs> they have to pay to make them. And then they have to pay right. to serve them, and then nobody pays to look at them. So the better right. the content is, the less people will pay for it because the the people that are using these ad blockers and things like that, like that's not the solution. What, like if you want stories about stuff you hate, use an ad blocker because the more that they can monetize you, like you'll start to notice. Like if you use an ad blocker, media gets worse for you. Because it's like, oh, I, I can't, you know, I can't serve ads to this person. I'm not getting paid. Um, I'm not monetizing them at the rate that it would make sense to make more of this content. So therefore, let me make this other content and, and can, that audience will, will at least pay to look at it, right? So, and is, But that's a great analogy, the ad blocker. And not an analogy, but that's a great point. Going back to what you were saying earlier the rewards go to the ad that is most clicked. We know from uh, third-party research into ad fraud that a lot of stuff isn't even make it through the DSPs and uh, into consumer vision. Like, it's, you know, they're just invisible ads or they just never even show up. So is it really the the best ads or is it just the ones that make it to the surface and somehow get credited for being clicked yeah it's it's the ones that the ones that get that get in front of people that first the, the you know how what you have to do you have to win the auction so you have to like bid enough to get shown and then like some of them will get clicked but not really and i think a lot of ads get clicked by mistake to be honest with you, in some cases. Oh, I would say you're, what the stats say is you're more likely to get struck by lightning than to intentionally click a banner. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. Like, and, <laughs> and, you know, I can see like when like my dad or my mom has got their phone and they go to an article that you sent to them and something pops up and they're sitting there trying to like, it looks like they're trying to like defuse a bomb on MacGyver <laughs> when they're trying to like figure out whether to yeah. cut the red wire or the blue wire on how to like, like get. They're like, is the X, yeah. is it the X up on top or is it the close? button down on the bottom yeah i mean that's that's yeah. literally what it, it for like i think the majority of the population is like how do i get rid of this ad <laughs> like in that obviously 
obviously is not a great user experience. And and if we don't fix the user experience, we're never going to fix media. You're just going to get more media that appeals to the lowest common denominator who accidentally clicks on stuff. And the the way you do that is you just make the the reason to click on it so sensational that the top of the funnel is so big, you still can make some money because you bring so many people in through the, the, the top of the funnel. But the the news and the content starts getting shorter and less responsible and less fact checked and and it's it's not a good trajectory, right? So it all starts looking like local local TV news. Yeah, well, that starts looking like you know Pulitzer Prize winning journalism compared to what you're you're gonna get. Like I I don't know one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, I got a chance to work out with him for for a little bit while he was living in the same town as me. But uh, Terry Crews started in this movie called uh, uh, Idiocracy. And, oh sure, Mike Judge. Yeah. yeah, and in the in their uh, one of the biggest shows called Al My Balls, where people <laughs> would it was just about people getting hit in the balls, like and that was the whole show. Um, where headed that? That show, by the way, that's America's funniest home videos, <laughs> and it's been on for twenty five yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, man, like that's they that show stays on the air because of that stuff, like you know. Like dogs knocking babies over, it's like that. Show, that that wins every time. Like so, uh, it we if we don't fix it, like that's just going to be where we're heading. But the good news is define are, define fix it, Frank. Define fix it. Okay. Um, first, what you have to do is you have to decouple the frequency with which people access news. And the value that's attributed to news or, or, or content, right? Like you can't, it, it, so it requires audience segmentation, right? So you, have to, you have to realize that like you probably are worth more and you, you do go, there are markets that you're, you're listed on, you, your sessions or whatever. I think it's creepy to go after a single person. So I'm not advocating this, but like you're definitely worth more than some, uh, you know, guy who cracks a Budweiser over his head and yells a bunch of racist stuff before he throws the beer can out into the lake. Like that's probably a pretty safe bet that an advertiser would much rather reach you uh, than they would that other dude. Right. Depends on what they're selling, but yeah, I get it. Right. 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 So, so first you need audience segmentation and, and then what you need is, you want to make sure you contextualize the, the content. So the thing that you're trying to associate with what they're doing makes a little more sense. And so it's not just, um, it's not just like the volume of ads that you get out there. It's how much of a fit you are and how much of an appetite the person has for that stuff. But we have algorithms now that are pretty sophisticated. We're just not using them for that because people don't, get paid to buy ads that way it's crazy but i'm sure you've come up with with this where people want to spend their ad budget as easily as possible and then go home and if they can get like a 0.2 percent increase on click-through then they think they're geniuses and everyone high fives and like so that needs to be fixed like the 
it, it should sort of more what you need to look at is the entire funnel. And the reason why that's broken is because Facebook, which is the top of the funnel, nobody ever goes to Google for the most, actually, that's not true. Google is back as the number one refer of news traffic. Um, huh. Facebook has ratcheted back. It's a, uh, it's um, it's a uh, referral traffic and they just oh, came since out getting pulled in front of Congress. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, not just that. I, I don't know exactly what their plans are, but but they just came out with an article last week where they said, you know, we're not going to be focusing on referral traffic for you media companies, um, which seems a little odd to me, but it's their prerogative and they can do what they want. Um, we work on behalf of the media companies. So for us, we don't want that for our media companies. We're, we're kind of working hard to get them more traffic. But, right. but, but for... What you want is you want ads that fit. And instead of it, people don't go around like searching for ads. They are inclined towards certain behaviors and you should try to match the ads towards the behaviors, which, which they empirically model out to do. So BMW buyers don't go around talking about how they're going to buy BMWs or maybe they do like, you know, the, they they probably talk a lot about buying bmws and by the way i have a bmw so like i'm an asshole uh (laughs) but 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 i don't go around talking about like when i'm gonna buy a new car right like i never for me it was a surprise like i didn't tell anybody like I didn't even tell my wife, which is a mistake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, man. I think BMW drivers should talk about buying nicer couches. First of all, that's uh, but <laughs> but but anyway, that's their, that's their own yeah. Weekend. That's that's what you should do. Like, um, but but basically, they talk about this thing which I call or we call around here an attention signature. Like they talk about politics in a certain distribution and golf and sailing and private school and you know vacations. Like they talk about these these things in a much different manner than somebody who uh, watches NASCAR and, and buys Budweiser and likes to go bowling, right? Like not saying that the one is better than the other, like one makes one set of people happy and another makes another set of people happy, but the same ads don't go to, shouldn't go to the same people. Even if they're both, you know, 34 to 45 and even if they both it, like, NASCAR's audience isn't poor, believe it or not. Like it's like oh, no, they have a great audience. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's that's why they have all that sponsorship, right? Like it's they're they're smart. Like they're, it's a smart organization, and no, they, it's a, they have a, they've built this coveted audience of of the former NFL customer. That's that, right. That age group and income. Level. Yeah, and 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 it's 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 not a simple sport. There, there's a lot to it, and and they have that. They, they've taken that and they've built this business around it. But it is different than like e, the BMW uh, sailing golf yacht. Like it's a different type of, of advertisement. And, and maybe demographically they look the same age. They don't live too far apart. They earn maybe roughly the same amount of money as a household in some cases. But the same ads aren't going to work against the same people. And what you have is the language around the content they're consuming as the primary alpha signal of 
what's going to work in that conversion funnel. And no one's paying attention to that except for the really smart folks. Hmm. And if you fix, well, if you align that, then you can start to fix these problems because you don't waste impressions. You don't like get in front of people who, you know, don't interact with what you're doing. Sorry to cut you off. Well, no, no. Um, I know I've had you on for about an hour. I want to let you get back to your, I know you have a big day there at social flow. Um, I want to set you loose. I have a feeling, Frank, we're going to need to set up a sequel because I have a list of, <laughs> of questions here that I've been writing down as we've been talking okay. um, about alpha signals and targeting and how are you, how can we learn all that stuff? So I, th I think we're going to get that on the record on the books here, but, um, but this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for uh, coming. Tell people how they can find you. Uh, you could just go to www.socialflow.com, Twitter at socialflow, Facebook socialflow. And, uh, yeah, um, we have a blog that we come out and specifically for media companies and uh, ad strategy folks that they can go and uh, see what's what's happening. We post research there all the time, so it's uh. It, is that slash? Is that uh, socialflow.com slash blog or what? Yeah. Is it? Yep, socialflow.com slash blog, and uh, cool. it's right there. It's I'll, linked off I'll the front page. I'll include the link in the uh, show notes for sure. This has been really interesting and um, I really appreciate you making time. I know all the stuff you guys have going on there is pretty crazy right now. Yeah, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to following up. Thanks and uh, it's great to, great to talk to you again. Yeah, you too. All right. Thanks yep, a lot. Take it easy. Bye.